Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Undiscovered You, a podcast for 20, 30, and 40-year-olds who feel like they have so much more to offer but are somehow stuck. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnston, and this season, we're talking all about people being their authentic selves. I'm extremely excited to be joined by Majda Debaggy today. Majda has an incredible background from basically an amazing legal background, also working in project finance in commerce, and she's moved into sustainability and is now a sustainability champion. She's represented businesses internationally. She speaks many languages and she's just an incredible person. So I'm super excited to have Majda on the podcast today. Welcome Majda. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. So Majda, um, I hear a bit of an accent there. Where is that from? Ah, well, I grew up in Canada. Um, to uh, parents who had immigrated to Canada from Tunisia and Lebanon. Um, so that's where the accent's from. Um, and I don't know if my accent's changed uh, over the years. I've, I've lived in uh, London, in Sao Paulo, in, and now in Paris uh, via Dubai. So um, maybe the accent's changed a little bit there. <laughs> what an incredible background. I love that. And talk to me a bit about, so where did you go to university? Did you go to university in Canada? I did. Yes. I, I did my undergrad and uh, law degree uh, in Canada and then um, started my training uh, in Canada as well. And then uh, very random as these things happen sometimes, flipping through a legal magazine um, and I see a magenta pink two-page spread that says London Calling. Um, and it was uh, the, the law firm that I started working at in London um, that was recruiting. But they wanted um, lawyers who were two to four years of experience uh, and just to get a bit more hands on deck. Um, and of course, I had zero years of experience. But I said to myself, well, I'm going to just pop them an email with my CV and maybe get a chance to speak with them. And maybe in due course, when I have a bit more experience, I'll, I'll have that opportunity to, to live abroad for a little bit. Um, and lo and behold, they, uh, they, they asked me to come in for an interview. It was the last interview on the last day of their cross Canada trip. Um, and uh, I guess I said the magic words because I had really been interested in project finance because I had just recently picked up a couple of books about it uh, in our firm's library in Canada. And I was like, oh, it sounds really interesting. They're like, well, this is what we do and that's what we need. So come on over. So a bit of a whirlwind. I found myself uh, in London, um, living a very you know big city life. Um, and I had grown up in Canada and was at the time living in Vancouver. Um, so smaller cities. And uh, what an incredible experience. Um, I think everything really started from that chance meeting with this magazine. Um, and my whole career has been a little bit of those kind of chance opportunities and me just walking through open doors. That's amazing. And I think that that kind of chance opportunity is something we've heard from quite a few uh, of, of the people that have been on the podcast. And, you know, it is a chance opportunity, but you could have flipped the page. You know, and let's let's just be honest here. You actually applied for it, and you went for that role. And so, while it was an amazing, you know, coincidence that you opened it up, it was there, and you got the role. Actually, putting yourself out there and applying for the role is that next step. Because how many of us 
open up The Economist and see an amazing looking job and then flip the page or see something on LinkedIn and think, oh, maybe not. Or that's a move to London. That's pretty far. You know, how, how did you actually decide then let's up sticks and go move away from the family, go do something new. How did you actually do that? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I guess, you know, you just think, oh, that sounds interesting and fun. And I think that, um, you know, I didn't really plan too far ahead. I just thought to myself, well, I'm just going to see what happens. Um, but what I did know is um, I, you know, was in my mid twenties um, and had been working in Vancouver on my training contract for about a year. And what I did know was that I needed, um, that this wasn't it. It wasn't, um, you know, staying in, in Canada at that age, in Vancouver, having, um, uh, you know, satellite office uh, kind of legal experience, um, maybe getting a house in the suburbs on a cul-de-sac uh, and, you know, that just wasn't for me at that time. Um, so I just wanted a bit of an adventure and that's all it really started out as. It never started off as I'm going to have an international career. I, I thought I'm going to go have an adventure for a year or two um, and probably come back home, maybe go somewhere else. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I think it was just a, well, let's try and see what happens and I'll figure out next steps when I need to think about next steps. I think that's such a, such an important thing to remember is that nothing is permanent, you know, and it's something that we, we as women, especially sometimes, you know, we have caring responsibilities that we, we have to take into contention, family responsibilities, we have to take into contention, everyone will have their own circumstances that, you know, it's very different when you're in your 20s versus, you know, when you're in your 30s or 40s, and, and you end up in that sandwich generation, and all the other things that come with getting older. But when you're young, and you have that opportunity go for it, I think is one of the things I would say is don't, don't hold back, just try. And, you know, there's, it's such a, it's such a wonderful experience to go experience another culture, go experience another type of role. I also want to grab onto something else you said here. So you said the magic buzzwords, project finance, and your experience at this point in project finance was that you had seen a book and it looks cool. Yep. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all. <laughs> I, love there. I love it. I just love, I, I love that whole concept of how can we not be more like this? That's sort of, I picked up a book. I thought it was interesting. I'm going to go and work in that sector. <laughs> yeah. And they were asking me, you know, what I was interested in. And um, I had done a few rotations on my training contracts. So tried out a few different things, um, you know, litigation and bankruptcy and like construction law and, um, wealth management and all kinds of things, securities law. I was like, none of this is for me. So I wasn't going to say, you know, um, <laughs> what I'm interested in is one of these things I'm not interested in. But, yeah. you know, that day, project finance looked interesting. And honestly, it turned out to be absolutely perfect uh, for me because um, I'd always been really interested in um, things that are really concrete and project finance was one of those areas in law where um, you really saw the fruits of uh, your labor. Um, so that was really important to me. Um, and it also, once I moved to London, gave me an opportunity to do things that are really international, all kinds of, you know, you'd have um, 
different parties from different parts of the globe and um, you know they're making sure that calls could were scheduled so that people from Hong Kong uh, could be on the call and people from New York could be on the call and I just found that so exciting uh, at the time so it, it turned out to be uh, you know it was good that I picked up the book it was good that I picked up that magazine and I was Good that I brought <laughs> all of that together in that final interview. Um, yeah, so so funny how how you know life works that way sometimes. Um, and then just uh, you know to continue on these kinds of random opportunities that come up, and you just say yes. Like I got to, I get to London and I work there for about a year, um, and then they need someone to go to Dubai. And I said, sure, I'll go. I mean, I speak Arabic. I, I have um, some family uh, in, in the region and that could be fun. Um, and I remember uh, my housemate at the time was like, this is the worst idea. You are, you know, getting late into, you're getting late into your twenties and you need to settle down. And this is just not, you know, this is not the right thing for you to do right now. Um, and I was like, okay, thanks for sharing. And that it did kind of, um, you know, his, that his voice um, really worked in my head a little bit. Um, and I kept thinking about this. Like, am I, you know, I'm not planning again. Once again, I'm not planning anything. I'm just going on a whim, on an adventure. But it, it turned out to be great. Uh, it was a fantastic opportunity professionally because um, I had so much responsibility in a smaller office. Um, and also um, a couple of months before my time in Dubai was over, um, I also ended up meeting my future husband. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, also I should have said, it's, um, you know, that was the time of the, the financial crash. Um, in, in 2009. Um, so really lucky to also be somewhere where I was able to stay working. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure how um, that would have worked out for me being so new to the firm if I had uh, stayed in London. So. And there's a little bit of an interesting twist to your relationship because um, he was not from Dubai, was he? Where was he from? No, you're right. <laughs> so uh, no, he's French and he was in uh, the Paris office of the same firm that we worked at. Um, he really wanted to go to London, but of course the uh, financial crisis made it so that it wasn't really um, an opportunity that was available to him. And he just knew he wanted to spend some time abroad and Dubai came up and he, he said, sure, I'll go to Dubai. So yes, a little bit of uh, serendipity there. Love that. And so uh, he goes back to Paris and what do you do at the end of your time in Dubai? I go back to London. He goes back to Paris. Um, we do some distance uh, and for a couple of years, actually. Um, and then someone needs to move and... Uh, we talked about a lot of different scenarios, um, including going back home to Canada. And um, it just seemed to make the most sense for me to come to Paris. Um, so uh, I made that move. Um, and I mean, move new city, new job, um, at this point, uh, we had gotten engaged, so also planning a wedding. I mean, 
kind of all of like big life moments <laughs> all coming to a head in one year. It was, uh, it was quite the experience. Yeah. And so you've worked in these different environments. You, you grew up um, in Canada. You said that you had um, Lebanese and Tunisian parents. You, so those are, those are three big cultures. Let's talk three big cultures that you're starting from. And then you picked up and you moved to London, which is a totally different culture. When you did that, you know, this is all about being the authentic you. Did you feel that you could be your authentic self? Did you show up as your authentic self or were there times when actually you felt like you needed to pair that back or change who you were or kind of how did you deal with that? Definitely. That's such a good question. Um, and I think about this a lot and I guess it's, um, you know, your identity is, is partly how you see yourself, but it's also how others see you. So maybe others thought that I was being my authentic self, but from my perspective, um, I actually found it quite difficult to move into these different working cultures um, and, and, and cultures in general. Um, I think that I do a lot of listening and learning, but I certainly, I think, tried to like, fit in, um, which I guess in some ways, uh, it's not really being your authentic self. I mean, everyone should, you know, try to uh, not rub people the wrong way or, you know, um, you know, and, and, and adapt to different cultural norms and so on. But I did find it really difficult to, um, at each stage, to feel like I belonged. Um, and I think, you know, through the years, he finally just said, well, you know what, you just cannot possibly please everyone and you can never, um, I'm never going to be someone, I'm never going to be an act like someone who grew up in Paris. I did not grow up in Paris. I'm never going to <laughs> learn the long list of social norms, um, you know, perfectly. Um, and same in you know, the other, other kind of added layer to that is also being a woman working in um, a very male dominated field, uh, which I, I really have been doing for my most of my career. Um, and it's the same, you know, you're never going to be one of the guys. Um, don't pretend like it's cool to go out to a place that you would never go to as a woman. Um, and you know, don't, don't, you, you can't ever dress, um, in the right way to, to be one of the guys either. Um, and just the importance of integrity and the importance of accepting who you are. And I think the more that you accept who you are, the more people around you will accept who you are. Um, and I think the stronger you are and the more resilient uh, you are as well if you're really in tune with um, the person that uh, that you are and the person that you're wanting to grow into to become as well. Yeah, and I think there's something about kind of the amount of effort it takes to put that facade up, and especially when you're assimilating into cultures. I remember anytime I would show up in Paris, I spent I spent a few summers in Paris, and I would show up and I was exhausted by the end of the day. 
from having to speak French, you know, being just bombarded with all the differences. I mean, you're, it's, it's an amazing city, love it, but it's very different. So getting around the way you shop, the way you get around, the way you have like counterflow buses that are going to kill you on every street mm-hmm. you cross, you know, it's exhausting. And when you come from a culture um, especially what I think is amazing is that, again, as I said, you know, that you, you're very strongly Lebanese as well. Like you very much identify with that culture as well. Yeah, and true. that in itself has its own, you know, it's its own thing. And then you and then also adding that Canada on top of it, and you're very outdoorsy and you, you know, and so you're basically taking all that bottling it up and then coming and sitting in an office in the center of London, you know, and it's, it's really interesting how I I just wonder, do you think at times trying to assimilate, trying to be like everybody else was detrimental to your career or your progression, or do you think that that didn't really have much of an impact? Mm. That's a great question. Do you know, I think it was detrimental to my own self-confidence more than it was, it had any impact on um, my career. Um, because it, when you're constantly trying to assimilate and kind of fit in and be like others that are around you, um, you're constantly telling yourself essentially like I'm not good enough like Mm -hmm. that's what you are you are like damaging yourself every single day um and it's it's yeah I think it's I I would definitely say to any like young people professional women especially that are starting out in their careers like do not try to be like anybody else do not try um to uh emulate um even women that have gone before you because you know there is sometimes a decade or more that that has gone by and and times are changing and you will get further ahead and uh, be stronger person if you are just yourself um, and that you can accept yourself Um, yeah, I, I remember being in London and just like being so oblivious to, you know, before I arrived uh, at the firm, uh, being so oblivious to, you know, where people were going to be coming from to make it into that firm. And mm. you start to say, oh, where did you go to school? And they're like, oh, Oxford, <laughs> Cambridge, Oxford, Cambridge, Oxford, Cambridge. I'm like, did, did anyone in this entire you know, 2000 person building, not go to Oxford or Cambridge. And you're like, oh, me. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I think that that, it, 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 um, it shakes you a little. Um, it shakes your, your confidence. So if on top of that, you're also telling yourself constantly that, you know, you're not good enough. Like, where are you, where are you going to get to? That's just not, um, it, it's, it's not, conducive or very productive um, to having a successful career, definitely. Um, But I guess I got lucky uh, and that despite those um, insecurities that I may have carried with me, um, I had people that I met, um, both my peers and also uh, people way more senior than I am that saw my worth and 
really encouraged me and supported me and uh, I was able to have and really authentic relationships. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that is so important um, for a successful career, but also a successful life is to just have really authentic people around you and cultivate really deep and uh, meaningful relationships. I, I just, I find that so profound. I actually have goosebumps with you talking about that because it's so true. When you're not being your true self, you're constantly telling yourself you're not good enough. And that, you know, there's so many people who say they have an issue with confidence and query is part of the reason because you are constantly telling yourself you're not good enough. And we live in a world where, you know, social media shows us these highlight reels of perfection in other people's lives. And even if we know their lives are falling apart, we still look at it and go, oh, I wish I was in Mauritius in that bikini with the husband who I know is cheating on her, by the way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's that, it's that kind of thing where, you know, you as your authentic self, I'm not ever putting a picture of myself up in a bikini ever again. Like maybe when I was in my twenties, but we're past that now. Uh, but you know, my authentic I self, own would it, be, Kimberly, <laughs> own nobody, it. I don't even want to see that. <laughs> I'll put myself up in a bathing suit. How about that? But just not in a bikini. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if you, if you, if you are your authentic self, you're happy in your skin and you're happy with who you are. And, you know, I, I do a lot around inclusion and diversity. That's kind of my passion. That's my expertise. Now that's, that's where I'm focused. And actually you cannot get diversity of thought. If people are not being their authentic selves, if they feel like they have to think and talk and look like everybody else to fit into organization, you're not going to get diversity of thought. Absolutely. So there's that, there's that added layer of you were hired for a reason you have some absolutely amazing attributes. And if you hide those away because you're a bit scared, they don't fit in with the culture, you're not actually going to be able to bring your superpower strengths to that role, to that job. And so mm -hmm. I think I just, I'm, I'm blown away by that. I thought that was absolutely super profound measure. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so, so we talked a bit about kind of that professional side and I don't know, um, in terms of personally, you've lived in some, some cultures that I mean, again, very different. So living in Dubai, um, expat communities, sometimes if you get in that bubble, it's not that different, but, you know, did you find that actually assimilating to those cultures, um, took time? I know, I know you have some, some fun stories about, uh, moving to France and <laughs> eating etiquette. Uh, but did you, in terms of Dubai, when you were living there, did you find that that was hard to assimilate? Um, or did you find it was sort of, you were in the expat bubble? Do you know, um, that was also one of the, the, the things that a lot of my friends, when I said I was going to Dubai, like, well, how is that going to work out for you? Like, but honest to goodness, it was like, the most incredible professional experience. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I had a lot of responsibility at the office, um, working on deals or having a role on the deal that I wouldn't have had um, uh, in London. Um, I had an incredible um, Arab woman who was a partner at the firm, who is just um, such a force to be reckoned with and talk about your authentic self. I mean, she owned the fact that she was a woman. She owned the fact that she was an Arab woman, that she was strong and um, 
and smart and um, you know it was amazing to just watch her be kind of at the head of the table um, in a you know pretty male dominated world um, and I'd also say that uh, every single time that I was around the table with um, a lot of uh, Arab men especially they were so proud of me uh, for for you know being so strong and having the role that I played. Um, and that was really nice, especially the older men um, who almost like by kind of grandfather's age, they were just so proud. Um, so it was a really good boost of confidence for me actually. Oh, I love that. And, and what about the move to France? Would you mind sharing one of your stories? Because I just, I love these. I think it's, I think it just sums it up so nicely. Oh gosh, I, uh, I should write a book. You should, <laughs> I you know. really should. I should write I'll a book. I'll buy it. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the, I, I'll, I'll mention a professional uh, experience um, early on where um, I walked into the office on a Monday and I thought it was normal chit chat, you know, the water cooler chit chat. They'd be like, Hey, how was your weekend? what did you get up to? And one of the lawyers uh, looked at me and was just like, that's really personal. Like, it's just, you know, we're in the workplace. You're not to ask about my weekend. It's like, okay. I don't think that that's actually a French thing. I just think that that was, uh, um, <laughs> that was just, this person was like this and, really wanted to separate work and personal life um, or to get to an extreme, but it's experiences like that where you're just like, okay, so is this like a cultural norm that I need mm. to get used to, or is this just a, a strange encounter? Um, but gosh, I could, I could go on um, with, uh, with so many stories, but uh, yeah. I had I had one when we moved to London. So in the States, you know, when you get onto the phone with somebody, you basically just start barking orders. <laughs> there's no chit chat. And I remember I, I would I would pick up the phone and someone would be calling from another department or, you know, even a partner would be calling to ask for something and they'd be like, Hi Kimberly, how are you? Yeah, fine, good. Okay, thanks. How's everything? Da -da -da. And you have this like little back and forth for like, I mean, it's probably a minute. It's not it's not huge. Yeah. Drove me crazy. I was like, what do you want? <laughs> I do not want to have this chit chat. And now it's it's so funny because you do, you assimilate and you end up, yeah. I, I do it all the time. And I can imagine it drives my American friends crazy. It's like, no, what do you want? Just get to the point. Yes, yeah, yeah. So true. The other thing in Paris too that I had to quickly learn was that um, if you can get up out of your office and go to the person's office and speak to them, then there's no need for you to be sending an email. Like the whole internal email concept, um, if there's not a floor separating you, uh, it, it's, it's just really poor etiquette. So I was looked at like a little bit like, oh, you know, the Anglophones here just barking orders on her emails. Um, mm -hmm. But I was like, genuinely, I don't want to disturb you in your office um, because you might be doing other things than like this email is, I'll just send you an email and you can deal with it when you have time. So I thought I was being really polite, but actually I was seen as being super rude. So 
I, I love those little culture differences. I think there was there was an example. I, so I, I used to work at the Department of Commerce, and I was in um, uh, basically I had to go on on trips as a as a diplomat essentially. And so we got culture training before we went to various countries, and they tell us, you know, don't do this, do this, and there's hierarchy here, so you need to stand in order of seniority, and you need to, you know, you have to present your cards in a certain way, and there's a lot of deference paid to business cards. So if you grab somebody's business card and like chuck it a, chuck it to the side, it's like the biggest slap in the face in some cultures. Whereas in the US, you just kind of grab it, don't even really look at it, stick it in the back pocket. And I remember they were talking about how um, in this one culture, it is really, really, really rude to blow your nose, like incredibly rude to blow your nose. And in fact, sniffing is the is the less rude thing to do. And I just will never forget that because when we got there, everyone was just like sniffling. I was like, I really love blowing nose. <laughs> but you just can't you can't someone told me in Lebanon also and you're gonna to have to verify whether this is true or not is that if you compliment someone on their jewelry or on something that they're wearing that they then have to gift it to you is that a lie I don't know if that is um true or not true but I do know that I got a ring that way so <laughs> maybe there's oh, some no. truth to that oh, from my nice. aunt I was like, oh that's such a nice ring and like literally took it off took it off and gave there it you to go. you <gasps> yeah I wonder you're gonna have to check that one out for me because oh. that was something someone told me before I went to Lebanon and I remember it was coming out of my mouth as I was going to tell this woman that's such a beautiful necklace and I was like that is such a beautiful hairdo yeah <laughs> it's like she can't take that off she can't no. take it off <laughs> So, oh, amazing. Well, let me ask you. So this, this entire thing is about being the authentic you. Obviously the podcast is called the undiscovered you. So in this process of moving countries, um, moving through different areas, we didn't even talk about the fact that you moved from project finance to sustainability mm -hmm. and you're just rocking it in that world. Um, but off the back of this, what have you discovered about yourself? Huh. I think that the thing that I've most learned to accept is that, you know, we're not a certain way um, and that we are constantly evolving and learning. And um, if you have kind of perfectionist tendencies, like some of us do, I won't say that I'm including myself in that box, but I do include myself in that box. <laughs> um, then you, you tend to just want to be like, you know, some sort of perfectly evolved human being. Um, and I think that I'm learning to accept that we're not perfectly evolved human beings and that, you know, life is, it's a lifelong journey of learning and exploring and that we change um, as, as human beings uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what I probably most, uh, I'd say that's what I'm really learning. And one thing that I'm also, um, you know, really reflecting on these days is um, I think that my entire career has been really these kind of chance encounters and opportunities opening up, walking through the door, um, trying to do a bit more planning um, now. And I think that goes with being your authentic self as well. Um, really trying to uh, understand who you are, what makes you tick, uh, what are those like superstar strengths that you have um, that we don't, you know, there's things that we think are weaknesses, but I think in fact are um, strengths. You know, I'm a very sensitive, 
person, um, very empathetic person. Um, and when you think, oh, I'm going to go into corporate law, you think that is probably the, the worst quality to have. And every, you should just be like hard-nosed and you know, business is business kind of personality, but actually you develop really great client relationships if you understand where they're coming from. So I do think that in addition to kind of recognizing that you're constantly evolving and accepting that, also um, being very true to who you are and being very intentional about what you want. Um, and there's, you know, you don't want to plan so much that you are um, have tunnel vision um, and there are some, so many beautiful experiences that are open up to you in the world. But at the same time, um, also make sure that you're not just you know, flowing through the path of least resistance uh, all the time. It's a beautiful picture. I think that's, it's, it's true because you have to take the time to reflect. And, and it's almost, I, I found that coming up to turning 40, I can't believe I'm just giving away my age. I know you all thought I was in my twenties, um, <laughs> but yeah, coming up to 40, I had this whole year of self-reflection where actually this is when I said, I just don't, I don't, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I've, I've paid a shed load of money to do this. Yes. It comes with this certain, you know, I'm a lawyer that automatically has certain labels and things that come with it, but I wasn't happy. And I tried different areas of law. I tried different you know, I went in house to get away from kind of more private practice hours and, you know, and I, I did like that more, but it just, I never was happy and content there. And then when I moved into the inclusion diversity space, I remember my bookshelves filled up with books and I just wanted to read more and I wanted to listen to Ted talks. So I, I was just, I was thirsting for more knowledge, more information. And I never, ever, ever, even in law school had that about law. Mm. And I think, I think if I'd realized that early on, I probably could have saved myself $150,000. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll make it up in the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, Maj, the final question that I ask every single one of our guests is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received, seen written in graffiti, had someone told you? <laughs> Do you know, I feel like I've been so lucky because, um, I, I feel like I've gotten so much incredible advice um, over the years and have just so many people that like genuinely care and about me and, and have supported me throughout my whole career. But one um, piece of advice that I always pass on to um, people in my team um, is a piece of advice I got from a partner in my first law firm. And he said, you know, you have to take care of you because no one is going to do that for you. And he was definitely talking about, you know, if it's like your third all-nighter this week, like, you know, you need to check out and go to sleep. No one's <laughs> going to say, <laughs> you know, you're tired or you're hungry. So that was definitely, you know, the extent of what he was referring to. But I think it's so true on so many levels, uh, that comment. You have to take care of yourself. Um, mm. And I think that means taking care of uh, yourself physically, uh, emotionally, uh, medically, what have you. Um, but it is, um, I'm not saying you have to go to the spa like every two days, but just like be really true to you, um, know what makes you tick um, and, 
and uh, yeah, you know, give what you can, but you can't give more than you have. So um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, that's, I, I think that's something that I, that I always share with um, younger people uh, joining my team um, because it, it is, you know, the work environment can be so pressurized and there can be so many insane demands no one has a full picture of what you're living through only you do so you have to make sure that um you know you're really able to live your best life that's fantastic and that whole idea of self-care it also it doesn't have to cost money go for a walk go for a walk outside get into a hot bath you know, find a candle somewhere that leftover birthday candle. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah. also if there's things that you really enjoy doing, don't put those on the back burner. Mm. So, um, you know, for me, like sports is, I like to move. Um, and that is something that's really important to me. And for so long, I just keep putting that to the side because there's all these other obligations that have to come before what you want to do. Um, and, you know, I love to read, you know, for a long time, I was like, I don't think I read anything that was not related to, to work, um, because there's like all these obligations, but all those obligations, the emails, the calls, this, you know, family expectations, etc. like all of that is still going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and you cannot swim fast enough uh, through all of those obligations to then eventually have time for the things that you want to do. Like that time will never come if you just meet your obligations. So, you know, um, I think it's like financial advice. Don't they say pay yourself first? Mm. Um, so yeah, that's what you have to do is you have to make sure that, uh, that you are, you know, uh, a whole human being and that you are being your authentic self. Those are two golden nuggets of advice. Thank you. I'm going to spray paint them on a building somewhere so someone <laughs> else can see them. <laughs> Majda, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. I, I actually, as, as I said, such profound pieces of information here. Great advice. I think you've given our listeners a load to walk away with, to think about, um, thinking about prioritization, self-care, you know, looking for the things that bring joy to your life um, and recognizing that when you're not being your authentic self, what you're actually doing is depleting yourself and depleting your confidence. So I loved this conversation, Majda. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's such a, such a fun time. And um, yeah, I can't wait to hear all the other podcasts. The, the ones that I've heard so far are amazing. So congratulations on on launching this and uh, it's an incredible project. And I, I know that it'll bring a lot of um, really great food for thought for your listeners. So thanks, Kimberly. Thank you, Majda. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join me next week when I speak to Michelle Taylor, the funky celebrant and the mayor of Mantry Town Council, all about being herself as she transitioned from being a police officer to being an award-winning celebrant. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment below. And I hope that you are one step closer to discovering the undiscovered you.